Good morning. Glad that you're here. That was a very, um, I'll, I'll be honest, a very flat response. I'm not very excited about that. So I'm not going to chide you. You're not in trouble. I'm just going to talk like this the whole morning and get right back at you. Fair is fair. No, really excited about uh, this new series and the book of Jonah. Um, in fact, um, there's quite a buzz going around. Uh, many of you know Zach and Cassie Mead. Uh, they had a baby boy uh, yesterday afternoon, which is something great to celebrate, right? Very cool. They named him Jonah because of the series, because we're here doing that, I'm sure. Okay, it may not be that, but I, am, I really am excited about this. Um, show of hands real quickly, how many of you would say, I'm pretty familiar with the story of Jonah, kind of the basic tale as it goes? There's a lot of hands going up, okay? And sometimes folks are really familiar with that, other times maybe not so much, but it's one of those Bible stories you hear uh, quite a bit about. And one of the reasons that it's so popular is that Jonah just presents such a relatable character. He's, he's just like, he's a normal guy. He doesn't have like, you know, Bible superpowers like being able to pull buildings in on top of himself or slay giants or anything wonderful like that. He's just a normal guy who messes things up and God still uses him anyway. And for most of us, that's really relatable. He doesn't do everything right. Um, actually, he doesn't do very much. Right. In fact, he does almost nothing right at all. And he's very relatable because of it. And so we see him, we see this guy who's, who's got weaknesses and he's got fears and he's got disobedience and he's got failures. And despite all that, God chooses to use him. He chooses to use him that way um, in some great ways. And that reminds us that we're just the same way, that where we're weak and where we fail and where we're disobedient, that doesn't disqualify us. God can continue to use us. And that's always a very, very encouraging thought. And maybe... Um, I don't know, maybe more than anything else, we're reminded that no matter how hard we try, we will never be able successfully to run away from God or to run away from God's call on our life. And so this morning, I invite you to look with me. We're going to take a look at the first chapter in the book of Jonah um, in the beginning of this series. And it says right there at the beginning, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. And, it said, and the Lord said, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. So here's Jonah, just a guy hanging out, and God reveals himself and says, hey, I got something I want you to do. I've got a plan for you. I've got a call on your life. And Jonah's probably pretty excited because you know, not everyone has you know, the Almighty come down and say, I've got a task for you to accomplish, right? And so maybe he was thinking, this is great. I'm going to get to go heal some people or go do some miracles or preach a really great sermon or you know, feed the poor. What, God, what is it you want for me? And God says, no, it's, it's none of those things. It's none of those things at all. In fact, what I want you to do is I want you to go to Nineveh. I want you to go to the capital city of our sworn enemy, right, of Assyria. Go to their capital city, and I want you to preach against them. I want, to go, I want you to go to these people who would like nothing more than to see you dead and dying on their streets. And I want you to stand there in as loud a voice as you can proclaim how evil you think that they are. And Jonah was all of a sudden a little less excited about this call that God had placed on his life. Who wants to do that? Nineveh was like the Las Vegas of its day, right? Any, any kind of uh, whatever else was going on, whatever kind of sin, evil, debauchery, and danger you wanted to engage in, it was there to, to be had. And he had plenty to preach against in that regard. But it was the capital city of their enemy, and they liked to torture and put to death people of the countries that were around them. It was a very threatening place to go. They didn't like Jonah. Jonah didn't like them. And this was certainly not the call that Jonah was expecting. So you can imagine how excited he was to get started. 
the story continues. But Jonah ran away from the Lord, and he headed for Tarshish. And he went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. So the bottom line is this for Jonah. Jonah knew exactly what it was that God wanted him to do. He wasn't wondering and thinking, I'm not sure, I'm not sure if I heard God's voice or not. No, he absolutely knew that he absolutely had heard God's voice. He knew exactly what that call was, and he was having none of it. He was unable or unwilling to do it. He simply couldn't summon up the courage it took to be obedient at that point. And that's one of the, one of the things that we take note of in this story is this, that there will always be a cost to following God's call. When God gives a call and asks for a point of obedience, there will always be a cost associated with following that. And it, it might be a high, heavy, threatening kind of cost, or it may be something a little bit smaller. I remember when I was uh, just a college-age kid trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life, you know, what I was going to be when I grew up. And it's weird that when you're 18, 19, and 20, you don't know anything about anything, and that's when you make this huge, important decision about what you're going to do for the next rest of your life, right? That hardly seems fair. And yet there I was working it out with the Lord and trying to figure it out and over a series of months praying and thinking and getting counsel, counsel from different folks. And I remember the day when in prayer I kind of came to the conclusion, I really think that what I want and what God wants for me is to go into full-time uh, church work as a pastor. And that was a great moment. And I had this moment of just like the uh, release and, and uh, you know, the pressure and the burden was off. And I'd kind of sensed God's call in my life, and I got to celebrate that moment for about five seconds. Because that's how long it took me to figure out that as a pastor in a church, never again would I see the early morning NFL game on a Sunday morning. (laughs) Because there weren't DVRs back then. That wasn't really an option. It was the real deal. You were missing the game. And that was a big deal where I came from. And so God, by his grace, invented DVRs, and it's all good now. So that's a relatively small cost, really, in the grander scheme of things. For Jonah, there was a significant cost if he was going to follow God's call, right? It was going to totally interrupt his normal. What had been a normal routine life was over, and everything was brand new. It was going to undermine his comfort. It was going to undermine his safety. There was an almost certainty that he was going to be misunderstood in what he was doing. He was going to be misunderstood by the people who were in Nineveh. He was probably going to be deeply misunderstood by his family and those around him as well. And it's interesting that God said, go and preach against them. He gave Noah no promise about the particular results. He asked him in faith without a promise of a particular result, go and just do what I'm asking you to do. And I think this is a great point to stop and just draw a parallel. What is it, can I ask, first of all, that God might be calling you to do? And it may be as big, as strong as what's the call on your life, and maybe it's a call to lay down what you're doing and go pursue something else in ministry. Or it might be something much smaller than that much more routine and every day. Maybe you're someone, I don't know, maybe you're someone who, uh, who has been hearing about God's love for you and hearing about the message of Jesus Christ and, and his invitation to eternal life. And you've heard about it and you've come to understand it a little bit, but you've never taken that moment of saying, yes, I want to be a Christ follower. I want to accept the gift of eternal life and the salvation that God offers me. And that's God's call on you. That's the step. Maybe you've been a Christian for a while, and you hear God calling you and prompting you regularly in a way that you recognize it's time to go a little deeper. It's, it's time to invest in your spiritual life and invest in your growth. And maybe this winter, uh, be a part of Rooted and a disciple ex- discipleship experience that way. Maybe it's something really practical, like there's someone in your life that's very difficult to love, and you know that God is calling you out very specifically to love that person at a deeper level than you ever have. 
Maybe it's a call to forgive a person who has deeply hurt you and maybe even betrayed you. Maybe God's been putting the, uh, putting the word in your heart and, and in your mind. Maybe, he, maybe his call on you is a financial one to rearrange your financial life in a way that makes room and makes more room for generosity towards others, towards meeting the needs who can't meet their own, towards feeding those who are hungry, for caring for the poor, for doing things that you want to do but your current financial structure doesn't allow for. All of these kinds and many others are the ways that God speaks to us and says, I have a call on your life. I have something that I want for you to accomplish. And second, I guess I just want to let you know that obedience to that call will involve a cost. It will interrupt your normal. Your, your everyday experience will change. There are almost guarantees that you'll be misunderstood along the way for what you're doing. Your motives may be called into question. Um, there's no promise necessarily, no guarantee of success that things will work out exactly the way that you imagine that they will. And these are some of the costs that, say I'm going to, that go along with stepping out in obedience and saying, I'm going to say yes to what God is calling me to. Jesus um, was the one who said, look, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. They must pick up their cross daily and follow me. There is a cost to following God's word to us. And so Jonah aware of the cost, he counted the cost, and he evaluated his options, and then bravely, bravely, he ran away. He just took the easy road. He wasn't, and listen to this, he wasn't just running away from Nineveh, and he wasn't just running away from God's call. He was, in his disobedience, he was running away from God himself. If we can go back to chapter 1, verse 3, and put the slide up there, and you'll see on the underline that it's very clear that Jonah was running away from the Lord. And down at the bottom that he went aboard and he sailed for Tarshish. Why? To flee from the Lord. His disobedience, it wasn't just a failure of courage. It wasn't some casual misunderstanding of what God had intended. Jonah knew what God wanted. And he knew what it would cost to obey. And he simply wasn't up to it. And so what did he do? He ran to the nearest uh, Nike outlet store grabbed this coolest pair of running sandals that he could find, maybe a backup pair as well, and he said, I am running away. I'm getting as far away from God as fast as I can. And here's what you have to understand about Tarshish to where he was going. You know, Israel, if you picture Israel, it's over here on like the, the eastern edge of the Mediterranean, right? It's weird. I got to do this one backwards from up here for you, but it's over on the eastern edge of the Mediterranean. Uh, if you follow the Mediterranean from its eastern edge all the way over to the western tip, where the southern tip of Spain, the Straits of Gibraltar, right? That's Tarshish. It's about 2,500 miles apart. Nineveh, by the way, where he was called to go, was starting uh, at Israel and go east about 500 miles. Okay? So this was Jonah's experience. You want me to go there? I'm going to go as far that way as I possibly can. 2,500 miles. You know what lay past Tarshish? The Atlantic Ocean. If you passed Tarshish, it was the last thing you saw before you sailed off into the ocean and fell off the edge when you got there. <laughs> Jonah said, that's how far I want to get away from God's call on my life. He was not unclear about what he was doing. He was running away. He broke out his running shoes and decided, I am not going to stop running until there was nowhere else left to run. But what he would soon discover is this, that although there is a cost for following God in obedience, that there is an even greater cost to running away from God's call. See, we sometimes run from God's call because we say, I can't afford that. I can't live with the implications of obeying God. But what we learn is that the implications and the costs of running away from God are far worse, are far more perilous. And, and in addition to that, they're not even successful. 
So the Lord, seeing Jonah uh, running away, picks up the narrative and says, Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm rose, arose that the ship, it threatened to break up. And all the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. So you get all these sailors on board. This is, this is their job. They sail. They're used to storms. They happen. Something different about this one, and it's getting really, really bad, and they begin to fear for their lives. And these sailors, who don't have the reputation of being particularly religious men, decide it is time to start crying out to the deity of choice and say, help, we're in trouble here. They knew that this was no natural storm. They, know that, they knew that this wasn't just somehow the result of global warming or climate change or call it whatever you want to call it. There was something more going on here than just regular weather. They knew that something was up and they wanted to get to the bottom of it. They wanted to find out what it was. Well, what was up? What was up is that Jonah was running away from God and that God was having none of it. You see, God loved Jonah too much and he loved Nineveh too much to allow Jonah's disobedience to go unnoticed. God had a call on Jonah, and it was to reach the people of Nineveh, to see them repent and turn to God and have, and have their lives restored and have God's name receive glory. And he wanted that. And he loved Jonah and wanted Jonah to, to see that happen. And God loved Nineveh too much and Jonah too much that when Jonah ran, he couldn't just let it go. He couldn't let it go unnoticed and unresponded to. And this morning, I've got some terrible news for you. God loves you too much. And there are people that God has called you to reach. And he loves them too much. And if you and I turn and run from the call that God has placed on our life, guess what? He just loves us too much and those people too much to just let us go and have our way and safely run away. See, God doesn't relish the pain it takes, us, it takes to turn us around. God doesn't love it when he has to bring some some pain into our lives to capture our attention so that we will turn and return to the calling that he's placed on our life. He doesn't love that, but as any loving parent knows, you can't teach obedience without including some level of pain along the way, right? Now, those of you who have had toddlers as parents or have them now, you understand this, that disobedience is like hardwired into the human condition, and it starts showing up in the toddler years. And toddlers, it is, it's our job as parents to teach them first the skill set of obedience, right? Before it's a character issue, it's just the skill of being able to be self-controlled to make a choice to obey. And it's not natural in a toddler until you develop that in them, right? And, and that doesn't happen without some level of pain. Because if you ask your toddler to do whatever, and they don't do it, and all they ever experience you saying, please do that. No, please do that, and they don't do it. Please do that, and they don't do it. If that's all they ever hear, do you know what they, you know what they come to understand the meaning, please do that? It means nothing. It means keep living your life. You're doing a great job. It doesn't become obedience until the toddler in, encounters some kind of pain that motivates them, right? And that pain can be something as simple as a very stern look of displeasure, it can be something as, you know, isolation and a timeout in the corner, and occasionally it can be a spanking. But, and as a parent, that's like the judgment call. Lord, lead me and guide me along the way for what's called for in this particular situation. But we all know that we can't raise obedient children and decent human beings without involving pain at some level. Guess what? It's like that for us as adults as well. 
We run from God, and God loves us too much to let it go, so he turns us. And sometimes it's the difficulty of the situation that he uses to do that that way. So here we are, on board the ship bound for Tarshish. The sailors are freaking out. Jesus, or not Jesus, but Jonah is actually asleep down in his bunk in the interior part of the ship. And so the sailors, they go to get him and say, hey, we're all up here praying to whichever gods we can even think of, just trying to get this storm to wind down. You've got to come join us. And they decide it's not working. They're going to figure out who's responsible for this. So they draw lots, and the lot falls to Jonah. And they say, so this is your fault. Tell us what's going on. And he explains his situation. I serve the God who created and made everything, and I'm running away from him. And, uh, and if you throw me overboard, his wrath will be satisfied, and you can sail merrily along your way. And these sailors said, we can't do that. We can't be, that's murder. We're not going to do We're not going to throw you overboard. Let's find some more cargo. Let's lighten the ship as best we can. And they do, and all to no avail. And they come to the ultimate conclusion that, yep, the only thing left to do, the only hope we have is maybe to do what this Jonah guy says and throw him over the edge of the boat. It's interesting to me that even at this point, Jonah has, I mean, he has laced up his, his running shoes And he is still running as fast as he can. You understand that when they came to him and said, look, the lot has fallen to you. It's clear that you're to blame for this. What can we do for your God to calm the storm? He could very easily have said, look, if you just turn the boat around and promise that as things die down, you're going to take the ship back to Joppa where it came from and you're going to put me on the path to Nineveh, I can go there and, and this storm will go away right away. He could have said that, but you realize what he said? I would rather drown in the sea than to go do what God has asked me to do. I'd rather just wear my running shoes all the way down to the bottom of the ocean rather than cave and do what God is asking of me. Even at the very end at this point, he's, he's not yet relenting or relaxing or repenting. He is just opposed to doing what God has asked him to do. Have you ever... Have you ever run up against something that you just know that you're supposed to do and you just flat out are not going to do it? I am not going to give God the pleasure. Sometimes we're like that. And if we get the broader picture, if we could see the bigger picture of how silly and occasionally childish that is and how pointless it is as well. Because Jonah says, throw me overboard. I'm going to my depths. Uh, I'm going to my death in the depths, disobeying God. And God says, you want to play that game? I can play that game. I got a fish for you. (laughs) You're not done yet. I mean, I just think that's amazing. For me, that's really encouraging. There are times when I'm just such an idiot and so disobedient, and God, I think, just looks at our our idiocy and at our disobedience. He goes, I can work with that. I can work with that. I got a fish for you. We'll get you where you need to go. It's okay. We're never disqualified from God turning things around and getting us where we need to go even if we're shaking our fist at the sky and willing to drown in our running shoes because we're unwilling to be obedient. God is not done with us. What about you? Where where are your running shoes where God is concerned? Where, Where are those places? And maybe it's big things and maybe it's small things. But those things that you just had like this nagging sense, maybe over the last days or weeks or months, that I really think I know what God's asking me to do. I'm just kind of unwilling to do it. Maybe it's a little bit too hard. Um, maybe it's a little too difficult. Maybe I, I just can't see myself. Doing it. But for whatever reason, and we may feel like we're just kind of passively not doing what God's asked us to do, but when we look at it, let's be honest, 
We are running. We are laced up and we are running from God just like Jonah. Let me tell you about my running shoes, the, the shoes that I've laced up as, as I've run from God recently. There's a um, kind of in preparation for this and in God's timing, I've got a, I've got a very difficult conversation that I have to have with someone uh, in the coming week. And it's one that I've probably known was coming and uh, have heard God's prompting that it should be coming, but I've tried not to pay attention to it. I've laced up the shoes and I've been running away. Don't worry, it's not you. Well, it's no one over here. <laughs> Actually, you guys are pretty safe too. Over here on the far left side, we should get together and have coffee. We need to talk. <laughs> There's this conversation I don't want to have. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to require me to admit to some things about myself that are uncomfortable. It's going to require me to enter into a, um, kind of some humility and maybe even some uh, personal discomfort and humiliation that I am not looking forward to. But I have become convinced that my unwillingness to kick that up and make it happen has not just been um, a disservice to that relationship and a disservice to that person. It's been a disservice to God because I've been running from him. And it's time for me to, um, it's time for me to step away from the running and to take the running shoes off. To say, these running shoes that I've been carrying signify a disobedience to God that I'm unwilling to adorn myself with any longer. To say, I got to do something that says in word and in deed and in heart and in symbol, I will not be wearing shoes that serve to run away from the God whom I love, from the God who loves me, and from the God who has called me for a particular purpose. And so I've been humbled by God to say, take off the running shoes, set them down, leave them behind, and do not go back. I mean, I'll probably get a different set of shoes and wear them. Please understand, it's going to be okay. But what would it take for you? Let me ask you, what would it take for you to unlace the running shoes that you've been wearing where God is concerned? And to take them off and to leave them behind. See, the error is in thinking that, is in thinking that just because we're wearing running shoes and we're running in them, we're actually going to get away. Jonah tells us it's different than that. My dad is a, is a fisherman. He loves to fly fish. He's an incredibly accomplished fly fisherman. He's like the trout whisperer, okay? He, he thinks like a trout, and I mean that in the most respectful way I can possibly come up with. He's one of those guys when there's nobody on the river catching anything, right? The trout are just lining up saying, please, Mr. Kilpatrick, can I play on the end of your line for a while? I would be so honored. And there, it, you just know if you're a trout on the eastern edge of the Sierra Mountains, uh, if you get on the end of Mr. Kilpatrick's line, you can run, but you will not get away. And it's interesting, I watch my dad as he fly fishes, uh, depending on the conditions, depending on the stream, depending on the fish and the pole and the line and all the conditions, there are times when he'll just turn a fish's head right around and, and reel him right in, and there are other times when he'll just give him some line and let him run, and that poor trout thinks, look, I'm having success. I'm getting away. I don't feel any pain. I must be doing all right. Whack! And around goes the head, and he's on his way back again. The illusion is thinking that just because we're running, we're getting away. The illusion is thinking that just because some line is being given that we're actually going to escape. God's love doesn't work that way. Like a gentle God, he brings us to the point where it makes the most sense to turn us back and his love will win. We will be pursued by that as well. So as for me in that conversation, 
I'm taking off my running shoes and I'm not running anymore. Can I invite you to do the same thing? I mean, can I invite you to identify where is it, whether actively or passively, that you have been running from God? And can I invite you to make an incredible decision, maybe this morning or maybe later on this week, or maybe really anywhere throughout this whole series of Jonah, can I invite you to make a decision that says, I'm going to step out of my running shoes, and I'm going to walk humbly, barefooted if necessary, in obedience to God. And, and can I ask you to join me in doing something else? If you make a decision like that over the course of this series, would you do something for me? Would you get either a new or a gently used pair of shoes? Running shoes are okay, other shoes are okay. But would you bring them with you into service over the next couple weeks? And can we just begin over the course of the series piling up some shoes up here? And like when it's all said and done, we'll take the shoes and we'll take them over to Service Spokane and we'll make sure that those shoes get on feet that need them for sure. But don't, but don't be mistaken. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that we do a shoe drive. If you want to, I mean, if you want to help people who need shoes, that is great. Take your shoes over to Service Spokane anytime, you know, anytime that they're open and they will take care of that for sure, right? But, but what I'm talking about here are significant decisions that say there's an area in my life where I will no longer run from God, where I'm stepping out of my running shoes and I'm leaving them behind. And would you signify that by bringing those up front? And I'm hoping and I'm praying and I'm trusting God that over the course of weeks we'll have just dozens of stacks of shoes that represent us as a church family saying we are not a people who run from God. And if we have been running, we're done now. And we're stepping forward into the call that God has from us, not turning and running away from it. I want to encourage you to do that. Some of you may be feeling like right now you know what that call is, you know where you've been running, and you want to make the decision today. It would be okay at the end of the service to come up and bring your shoes next to mine and walk across the parking lot barefoot and figure it out on your way home. <laughs> if you do, that would be fantastic. But if you want to wait till next Sunday when you come in, that would be fine too, or anywhere along the way. But can we be open over the ensuing weeks as we, as we follow Jonah through the rest of his adventure that God wants to keep us from running away. He wants us to say yes in obedience to him and not to run away in fear. I want to invite you to pray with me here for just a moment. Lord, one of the things I want to ask for you to do in us as a church family is, is what you've been doing in me a little bit, and that is uh, breaking through my own sense of uh, self-deception about where I was. God, would you shine the light of your truth into the deep places of all of our hearts? And God, if there are places where we have been resisting, to you, resisting you or walking in disobedience to you or actively running away from you, God, would you, would you remind us about those? Would you show them to us? Would you help us to discover them? And, and as you reveal those things to us, about us in our own hearts and minds, in addition to showing us those things, God, would you cause a strength, a, a Holy Spirit strength within us to rise up, a courage to say, I'm not content to run any longer. I'm not content to run any further. God, I'm, I'm, I'm not content to eventually get to this point where I'm willing to throw myself off the edge of a ship and say, I'd rather die than obey you. God, I don't want to bring myself to the point where it takes a fish rising up from the depths and swallowing me whole to accomplish your will. God, I just want to say yes to you here and now.
So God, would you show us what's real and true about our lives, about those places where we've been walking either in disobedience or in fear or running away. God, we want to give those to you. And we want to mark those decisions as a milestone and say those are running shoes to which we will never return. Those are going to have to do some good for somebody else. That's our prayer in Jesus' name.